This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 244, recorded on January 7th, 2016. Here on Home Gadget Keeps, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios. Here in a weird, snowy rain. We had snow all day, and then it rained as the sun went down. Usually, it's the other way around. But uh, who knows? This winter is so weird. Here in Bellevue, Nebraska, and of course, we post the show each week with world-class show notes out at TheAverageGuy.tv. You can also join us live now on our new mobile apps. You can uh, easily get access to all of those things. We have a new site for you. It's easy to remember. HomeGadgetGeeks.com and the apps for for this show for both Android and iPhone are available out there. We want to let thank uh, LastPass for sponsoring those mobile apps. You can, this actually when you're traveling, the best way to listen to the live show is on the app. As soon as we go live, it's available for you right there. And a great way to listen. Again, HomeGadgetGeeks.com. And of course, Home Gadget Geeks is the part of the Geeks Network. You can find the links to this show and many other great podcasts out at TheGeeksNetwork.com. And a lot of great stuff going on at the Geeks Network. A lot of great podcasts, including Mike Wieger's Open Mic Night, which I was on last Tuesday. Mike, thanks for having me on and welcome to Home Gadget Geeks. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, it was awesome having you on the show. It was so weird, though. I was almost like confused of what show I was on. We were on Blab like we are now. And uh, yeah, it was fun, though. I was glad to have you on. Yeah, it was a little odd. So, And then we want to welcome back Peter Hudson. Peter joined us February 8th. At least that's when the post was. February 8th, 2015. It seems a lot longer ago than that. Uh, at the time, Peter was uh, bit lit. Today, they are shelfy, which when you, Peter, when you said that, the it, when you were on the show, I said, man, that's a cool, we, we thought that was a cooler name than, than uh, the bit lit. Sorry, no, no, hopefully you're not offended there, but go ahead and make sure you unmute yourself, but welcome to Home Gadget Geeks. Thank you for having me. Am I, am I appropriately unmuted? Can you guys hear the massive background noise now? Yes, we do, and we're okay with it. And that's why, why where, tell us, where are you? Why is there massive background noise behind you? What's going on? So I'm in Vegas, I'm at CES, and so I'm camped out at the Android Authority booth right now. They were nice enough to hook me up with a little bit of power and uh, some internet. So there's a whole rack of guys flogging uh, speaker systems just behind me, so that's why they're doing stereo wars every now and then. So they may crank the subsonic subwoofers up during the podcast. Sorry about that. That's all right. We'll, we'll put up with it. It's, you know, to have you live from CBS is pretty cool, so I think we'll be okay with it. Hey, Peter, tell us a little bit about your conversion from BitLit to Shelfie. You catch us up a little bit on what's going on. It's been a year. A lot of things have happened, but kind of bring us up I can't to speed on the company. I can't believe it's been a full year since we chatted. It's um, so it's been a, an incredibly exciting year, and the transition to the name Shelfie, I think, was probably in no small part from the shit-inducing grin that it induces every time someone says it. It's just a great name, and it's it's what you do in the app. Like you take a picture of your bookshelf. That's a shelfie. I love telling, like, whenever I'm pitching an investor or pitching anyone, I love saying that. I'm like, yeah, so we're, we're this app where you take a picture of your bookshelf, a shelfie, and then, like, I give the pregnant pause and wait for it. I love that. Like, it never gets old. How much yeah, work so was it? Video. How much work was it to cut over from Bitlet? You know, you do all that paperwork, file all that stuff. How much work is it to cut over and do a yeah. whole new name? 
Uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah. So technically, the company's name uh, is still Bitlit Media Incorporated. So we're still technically incorporated as Bitlit. But um, for all intents and purposes, we're Shelfie. We're Shelfie.com. We're Shelfie in the App Store. I think my email address probably says Shelfie, unless I'm being lazy and haven't updated my email settings. So, yeah, but for all intents and purposes, we're Shelfie. And so for folks just joining us, let me quick explain. When we when we think about Shelfie, it's an app. It's a app available both in Android and for your iPhone. You literally can take a picture of your bookshelf. So if you look back here, I could take a picture of the bookshelf here, and then it's going to go back into the system and try and find digital copies of those books for me that are available for, and I and I think in the day you said half price or below, right? Or inexpensive or below, you know, it's, from, you know, from. Yeah, so it goes from. It kind of depends on what we got. Usually it's about 80 to 90% off and often it's free. So depending on what type of bookshelf you have, we've obviously got to go out and make deals with publishers to make this happen. So literally we, I've been at this now for just under three years. January 15th will be three years since I picked up the phone and made my first cold call to make this happen. And we've got deals now with 1200 publishers, just over 1200 books, like 1205 publishers. And when I just ran the stats, I actually just wrote a blog post about this. Um, um, oh, there's the subsonic bass. You can probably get that coming through. Like, <laughs> my chair is vibrating. That was pretty good. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> um, so I just wrote a blog post about this. And it's like the most common like one-star app review we ever got was like, why is my book not available on shelving? Like, what's going on? Why, why isn't this book available? And the reason was we had to make deals with the publishers and the authors and the rights holders to get this to happen. And it takes a long time. I mean, publishers don't move quickly on, you know, signing up for new digital models. And as of today, we have 25% of all books under license when you normalize by um, popularity. So, yeah, it's about 20. If you've got 100 books on your shelf, odds are there are 25 books on that shelf that I can either give you for free or I can give you for 80 to 90% off the digital version. And the digital version is either the ebook version or the audiobook version. We just launched audio uh, come December. So, yeah, we've got about 20 or 30,000 audiobook titles that we can add. So, let's talk about your audiobook offering real fast. If I'm, is that available inside the app? In other words, if I get access to the audiobook from it, how do I listen to that? Is it inside the app? How does that work? Boy, they really it's, got loud. It's inside the app. So, yeah, yeah. Sorry, they're like literally like my head is vibrating. Um, I don't know if you guys can see this, but um, that's the audiobook version. So I've got the Elon Musk book there. Uh, so if I want to play that, I'll tap on it. We've got a player built right into the app where you can go ahead and actually start. And you've got chapterization. It'll uh, show you all that. So it's modeled very much off the Audible style. Oh, hopefully they're going to turn that bass off. That's just brutal. <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. It's actually, it's, yeah, no it's not too bad on this end. We hear your voice breaking just a little bit because of the bass, which is... Kind of, oh, okay, it's kind of interesting. No, 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 it's good. It's all good. This is Blab, so we're okay. Um, so the as long as you, as you can hold a train of thought, that's that's the kind of key. They're not shaking sure, yeah. the brain. Out. I may be a little bit squirrely here, yeah. <laughs> shaking the brain right out of your head. Um, so yeah. so audiobooks came in in the December time frame. What what did it take to get that done? I mean, what was it like? Because you were you were all eBooks, all digital copies, and then all of a sudden, boom, audiobooks show up. How hard was that, and, and what it, how good has it been since you released it? 
So there, there's kind of a couple of things at play there. So the first is that a few of the big publishers simply won't play ball on the digital bundling model. Um, you know, the biggest being Penguin Random House. Penguin Random House will simply, you know, they've, they've outright told us we are going to be last on this one. So like you can stop calling us. And you know, once you've signed everybody else, then, then you come talk to us. And that's a problem because Penguin Random House, between them and their imprints, they publish about 25% of all books, which is crazy. I think that one company has like a quarter of all the publishing market. Um, but one of the things that often happens is an author will sell the rights of their book digital and print, but they may retain the audio rights. And so if their book becomes popular, they can in turn sell the audio rights to someone like, a, well, a different publisher, someone like Blackstone or someone like Recorded Books. So it's possible that by doing audio, we can get titles that are from those big publishers, even though the big publishers themselves wouldn't play ball. So we're actually, it, was, it date back, dates back to May last year. I was in a meeting with HarperCollins. Now HarperCollins is one of the most forward-thinking publishers. We work with them a lot. Um, and they signed on board and they said, what are you guys doing around um, audiobooks? And I said, well, we haven't thought about doing anything yet. And they actually made the introduction to this company uh, in Cleveland, Ohio called Findaway. And Findaway um, is the second biggest audible audiobook distributor in the world. We signed a deal with them uh, and they said, all right, let's, let's make audiobooks bundleable. And so we worked for about six months talking to publishers, getting them on board, and we ended up launching with Hachette, uh, Blackstone, HarperCollins, and Scholastic as our kind of major launch partners. So it covered books like um, the, the Hunger Games series. Um, Blackstone is only an audiobook publisher, so they don't publish print or digital. So they generally have rights on books that were extremely popular from other publishers, but they've picked up from, you know, generally speaking, like the Simon & Schusters, uh, the, the Macmillans, or the Penguin Random Houses. So it gave us coverage uh, on books that we didn't have from a lot of authors. Oh, Mike, you're muted. Yeah. <laughs> I love to hear Hachette. My favorite author, Michael Connolly, is a Hachette uh, audio guy. And so yeah. being able to do that with Shelfie will be awesome because I have all of his books and to get those on audio would be awesome. Yeah, you got it. So like, yeah, the entire Hachette audio catalog came on board. I think it was like four and a half thousand titles. Wow. Nice. Yeah. So, Peter, the pricing on audiobooks, how is that working? Is it different than the pricing that you that you got on um, on the digital or on the ebooks? So, the pricing generally is it's a little bit higher. Um, we push really hard to make it low, but in the audio market, there's an interesting thing because you got and a royalty that has to go to the author, a royalty that has to go to the original rights holder, which is generally the author as well or the agent. But you've also got a voice, a voice actor or a narrator that needs to be paid on these things. And sometimes we have cases where the audio publisher didn't actually make any money on the print sale. So they're a little more hesitant to go ahead and offer a huge discount. That said, our average discount across the entire list right now, I think, is 67%. And there's a heck of a lot of stuff in there that's actually gone free. Although most of the free stuff is public domain, but like if you've got a Pride and Prejudice, I've got a free audiobook copy of Pride and Prejudice that I can give you. So that's pretty much anything that's in the public domain. I've got a free audio copy that I can give you. Um, and then the rest of the stuff is usually fairly discounted. Now, 60, so basically two thirds off, you're paying one third price. Now, that price point does tend to be higher than I'd like it to be because ten, an audiobook tends to be quite an expensive thing to begin with. Usually they're 30 bucks. So, you know, our price point is somewhere in between five and 10 for the audio bundled copy. But it's still worth if you're a book, you know, consumer. It's probably still worth checking with you first, right? Before you go buy, oh. right? I mean, that's oh, kind sure. of the play yeah, yeah. at this point is to to get shelfy, 
take a copy and it's just as easy as going down your shelf and taking a picture, taking a picture, taking a picture. Um, and they'll upload and that as a search and you'll get some notifications back that say we have it or we don't. Your app has changed quite a bit since we did it a year ago, since we had you on the show, the apps changed a lot. The results for me though, haven't when, when I, well, they have, I mean, I took pictures of all my books and at the time there was maybe one or two or three that were available, but to your point, bringing on new publishers, I checked today, 15 are available for me now. So okay. I got the I lost, option to... I yeah, lost yeah. you for a second there. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, no. So I'll just, I'll just say a year ago when we started this, no, barely yeah. any of my books were available. Today, 15 of those books are now available for purchase. Most of them $2.99 or down. I think even the Bible was available. That was one of the ones that it picked up and made a copy available for me um, from the Bible. Um, one of the, uh, Jeff in chat had asked, is Shelfie's mission and purpose any different than what you were trying to do with BitLit? So is it the same, just a better name, or have you changed a little bit besides audio? The, the main, so the main vision of what we've got, I suppose the, the core vision remains the same, is that fundamentally the belief that you own that book, you purchased it, you should have the right to enjoy it in the format you want. Now, there are a lot of things that we've stacked on top of that. By sort of moving to Shelfie, when we started taking Shelfies, initially when we kind of first launched the app, we had no concept of taking pictures of bookshelves at all. It was all going to be this system where you kind of like took a picture of your cover, signed the copyright page, and then you got the ebook for free. Um, but then we invented the Shelfie thing to help people find the books on their shelves that were eligible. And then we thought, wow, we've got this shelf data. And we were looking on the back end and watching Shelfies come in. And we're like, oh, that guy's got a book that I have. What else does he have on his shelf? And so we thought that was cool. So we built that into the app so that other people could see Shelfies of other people. So like you could, you literally have like an Instagram-y kind of feed. Hold on, let me, uh, I, I'll hold it up to the, the monitor here. Yeah. Uh, if I go to the feed, um, here we go. You've got, literally got a feed of other people's shelves and the books that are on them. And they're prioritized in here based on um, people who have similar books to you. So you should be seeing um, shelves of people who have at least one or two books that overlap with books you have. So hopefully it can act as a book discovery mechanism as well. And so that's one of the other things that I'm actually super excited about what we've done in the last year is we've added uh, what I'd call recommendations. So you can do, um, you can find a book. I'll like, we'll do, uh, if I tap on a book here. Okay. So we've got this guy. Uh, I have no idea. This is just randomly inside the thing. Oh, that's probably a pretty bad example. Uh, we'll do a Judy, a Jody Pickult because we'll have a lot more copies of that in the database. Um, but basically rather than Amazon's algorithm of people who own this book also own, or sorry, people who bought this book also bought, we can do people who own this book, put it on the same shelf as, so we can actually, so we're using the spatial distribution of books on shelves to drive recommendations. So if you happen to put a couple of books beside each other, that's a pretty strong indicator that those books, at least in your mind, are associated with each other. And it could be in a very loose sense. Like I've got a shelf of my hard biographies that I haven't read. Uh, or I've got a, a bookshelf of like my Terry Pratchett Discworld books that are really teen fiction, but I kind of like them and I, I still own a set. Or like my cookbooks or my textbooks from college. Like they all, they're kind of systemically shelved together. And that's like a human association of books that we're trying to tap into. And 
when you get big piles of that kind of noise, or I don't call it noise, but big piles of that data, you can actually drive really cool recommendations uh, coming through the, the data. So anyway, that's, no. that's one of the other cool things that we've done. Yeah, and, and there's even a social component to it, right? I think have you has there any thought yeah. to starting book clubs through the through the app itself? In other words, I'm gonna hey, let's all agree to listen to or read this book together. Is that something you thought about, or maybe it's in there? Um, we we don't have a book club feature. We do have the ability to follow someone because, like, when we added the feed, it was just initially it was just a fire hose, and people wrote in and they said. Hey, I found somebody who I, I really like their shelfies. I want a way to save them. So we're like, oh, well, why don't we just like let you follow that user? And then you could, you know, you got a quick way to go back to that user. And if they ever upload another shelfie, you'll get notified or not notified, but it'll appear in the feed for you. So we kind of, we went to the Instagram model where you can follow people whose shelves you're interested in. And it was crazy. We actually found some really cool celebrities. Like, um, I don't know, like I'm a startup guy. So I care about, um, people who are in the startup and investment world and uh mark andreessen uh actually took a shelfie uh let me find there he is yeah so mark a he's uh have you gotten scoble to do this yet uh, not yet not yet we we need we need that house like more celeb celebrity shelfies we're thinking about like adding check marks like on twitter so that people have like official registered accounts yeah. so people yeah. will know like to, uh, to follow the oprah or Kind of person anyway so that's that's yeah. one of the other cool things we've had in the last year no you know i interviewed Mar uh robert a ways back and so i'll try to tweet at him when we release the yeah. show yes. i'll try to tweet yes. at him and, yes. and see if we yes. can yes. Get yes. see if we can see if i can pester scoble into uh into checking he loves this kind of stuff by the way this is he gets he gets yeah. inundated with it but he loves this kind yeah. of stuff he's kind of been in virtual reality lately but um jeff asked the question from the chat room does the does the app download the audio? So when you buy an audio book, does it download the audio or does it require a live mobile data stream for it? So right now on the iPhone version, you have to stream it. That should change. We've submitted a new version to the App Store today. So that'll be about five or six days in review. The Android version has a download so you can you can listen offline and it'll, it'll bring the whole thing down so you can have it off. So, yeah. Okay. And then, Good so are you, are you finding, so you mentioned shelf, you know, so people are submitting these shelves. It, yeah. Is there, is this idea of famous shelves where it's like these people, you think like, what is on Morgan Freeman's shelf? Yeah, what totally. is, I mean, yeah. And, and, and so is there ability like, so you say you can find and follow people are there people who don't want to be followed that may want to lock that down? Or do you have any privacy issues with knowing what's on your shelf? That kind of deal? We've, we've had a few people who wrote in and were like, yeah, I don't want, I don't want people to be able to, um, to see what's on my shelf. Like I just wanted to do this. So we, we implemented a, like a little private account thing. So if you want to lock your thing down, you just, you go into the settings and you can, you can lock your account down and then you don't appear. Uh, you can't be found within the app and no one, no one can follow you or message you or anything like that. So, because a bookshelf can be a really private thing, and if you really just want to use our app to get the bundled ebooks and the audiobooks, right. like we're not going to force you to sort of participate in the social aspect of it if that's not your wheelhouse. Yeah, and some people take their shelves very seriously. I mean, their yeah. books are a very serious item in, in what they're yeah. doing, and so I could see how that becomes very personal. Mike, I catch off. No, yeah. Someone had a question earlier that got me wondering. So I'm in law school right now. Uh, any sort yeah. of deals with uh, textbook providers, those sort of people? 
Um, yeah, none with uh, LexisNexis yet. Uh, okay. A big law law right. provider. Uh, but we have signed. Um, we've signed with Elsevier. We signed. We just signed with Springer. Springer is amazing. They give us like 170,000 books. Uh, I think we only have about 20,000 of them loaded right now because literally they shipped us hard drives. It was like eight terabytes worth of worth of books that we had to upload. Um, so we signed with them. Um, who are the other big te- um, Wiley we signed with, although I don't think we have all of their textbook imprints. We just the technical ones uh, and a few other technical publishers in the UK. One uh, Pact would be one of them. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head who, they, who the big textbook publishers are. We don't have Pearson yet. Okay, because I mean, I just see that being huge. I think of when I buy my textbooks, I buy them because I like having the paper copy in class, right? Flipping through, highlighting. But a lot of times at the end of the semester, when I'm trying to make my, you know, my big outline or study, I want to be able to just quick search, find. And if I had the ebook version of, of any of these textbooks, and if it came at a really reduced price, because it's weird with the textbooks, those uh, digital versions are sometimes even more expensive than print. Like the prices are just insane with textbooks. They're up and down. And so that would just be fantastic. So I can't wait till, you know, those more of those publishers start coming on board with you guys because I see the students yeah. really digging on this idea. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And, you know, like between you, me and everyone who's ever going to listen to this, I think we might have someone like uh, McGraw-Hill coming on board soon. No promises, but that yeah, nice. you know, maybe, maybe a little bird on my shoulder is telling me that. So, <laughs> or the guy uh, behind so you. Shoulder. Guy yeah. Me. yeah, exactly. But, uh, no, so, yeah. the price is really aggressive. The publishers, the textbook publishers who come on board have been really aggressive. I think Springer is like 10 bucks. Everything across the board is 10 bucks. Oh. So even if you paid $400 for that textbook, 10 bucks. Nice. So That's exactly that's what good. students are looking for. That'd be fantastic. Do you yeah. find, Peter, are you guys, uh, are, do you feel like momentum's picking up uh, with the publishers? Uh, is it staying pretty static or do you feel like you're getting behind? I know you wouldn't say that part, but. How yeah, are you well, feeling about the momentum? I feel good about it. Um, when I sat down over Christmas and actually ran the calculations of how far we've come in terms of content coverage, I was blown away by the fact that we had 25%. And I was I was sort of inside, I was really glad that I hadn't been able to run that calculation in the first year because I would have realized we were like 0.1% and we we're never gonna get there. It took us 500 days to get 1% of books. And then it took another 100 days to get to 2%. It was like when I actually ran the calculation, it was brutally hard. It was literally tens of thousands of cold calls to publishers to get this. So like, but And yet it's coming. Like um, Now the publishers actually know who we are. Uh, about a year ago, we won the Book Industry Study Group's Innovation Award. So I, you know, they recognize us now, which is good. Sometimes they screen our calls, but you know, that's probably a good thing. These they know who we are. We don't have the obscurity problem among publishers um, that we once had. And and maybe there'll be a tipping point, you know, where it'll 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 yeah. work, it'll work, and then all of a sudden the big ones will be like, well, it's time to jump in. Let's get let's get on bandwagon. Make this. Has, have any competitors popped up? Are there? Is there anybody else trying to do what you guys are currently doing right now? No one's trying to do it the same way that we're doing it. There are a lot of people who are trying, like the, the notion of print and digital or print and audio bundling. Um, it's 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 so obvious. Um, it's just the methodology we have for doing it, which is which is unique in that it's after the point of purchase. So a lot of folks have tried to do, you know, um, at the point of purchase, like the do you want fries with that model? It's like you're just about to check out with your book. Do you want to add five bucks to it? And you get a coupon code for the ebook or something. Um, the challenge with that is doing that. 
um, at a scale for like all the different readers is hard. Like you think about the big bookstores like Barnes and Noble, they're going to want to just give you the coupon code for your Nook device. But what if you read in iBooks or what if you have a Kindle? Well, that doesn't really work. You know, like Amazon's got their Kindle matchbook program, but yeah, that's only for a certain number of titles. Most of them are Kindle self-published and it's only going to work on your Kindle. Whereas we're kind of agnostic to that. We'll work on any device um, and we're not tied to any print retailer. So per se. on that same note, is there a patent on the shelfie technology of that whole process of taking that picture and, and connecting it all? Yeah. So actually there are two patents on it. It was actually the first thing I did. Um, so a buddy of mine, I don't know if I, I told the story probably last time. It was like my buddy Dan and I were arguing about um, quantum mechanics and uh, the phenomenon of free will. And that's how the idea came up is that he, he had a book at home, Stephen Wolfram's new kind of science. And he said, page 750, second paragraph down, he's got like crazy memory. Um, he's like, there's, there's a bit where like, I know I'm right. I wish I could show that to you. I wish I had a digital copy on my phone. And then we were like, oh my God, we've got to do that. And like eight days later, I sold my Ducati um, to finance our first patent. This is like, we've got to do this. Very nice. No, it's a great story. Yeah. And it, it's, it's fun to hear you guys are still going. Sometimes this doesn't, you know, always work <laughs> that way. And so we hope, I, so I'm assuming from a funding standpoint, you guys are doing okay at this point. It's, it's, it's looking good. You're pushing forward. And do you have any new stuff coming that you want to talk about from that, you, that you'd like the listeners to know about? I think the, the biggest new thing that we're going to see in the next couple of weeks and months coming out is more around recommendations. Like we're just starting to scratch the surface as to how powerful that bookshelf association, the collaborative filtering along bookshelves can be in terms of book discovery. And the fact that we now have a few hundred thousand bookshelves that we've been able to analyze. And I looked at the book graph a while ago. Um, it spans like 300,000 titles. It's got 12 million connections on it. It's the amount of just collective intelligence around how to shelve books there is crazy. Um, so that's something we're really excited about driving forward on. But that's just from the technology perspective. Obviously, the biggest needle I want to move is more books, getting more publishers on board. But, you know, that's going to be one of these slow grinding processes that, you know, big publishers are going to move at their own pace. Yeah. And, and publishing is not known for its lightning fast <laughs> response to things. And yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, you're you're in for the long haul. Um, Ken had asked in chat, how would it work with the rights if you're to sell the book? So, you know, there's some, right, you're buying it, you're, you, you get the digital copy based on you owning it. If you go and sell that, how does that work or how do you guys see that? So this was kind of how we got the publishers to play ball originally. So for folks who had tried to do this kind of obvious, the obvious method in the past is like, yeah, you own a book, you scan the barcode, you get the ebook free, great. But that doesn't work because people go into bookstores and walk out with free ebooks. So the, the solution we came up with is that the book had to some, the physical book had to in some way be tied to you. And so that it couldn't be returned to a bookstore, it couldn't be given to your friend, um, and they could do the same thing. You could get rid of it, you could give it to your friend, you could, you could resell it, that's fine. But that resold book or that second that used book couldn't in some way be used to get another ebook. So we, we had to prevent the leakage. And the way we solved that is we asked users to write their name on the copyright page of their book and take a photograph. So that book is kind of marked. It's it was actually I mean, it's very old technology. Like when you think about when but before books became these mass produced items, when books were came off like a Gutenberg press there was a the, the front few pages of your book would be blank because people would stamp them with something called an ex libris plant 
or stamp. It was called Ex Libris is from the library of. And so you would actually stamp your book because if you lost it, you wanted to get it back. Uh, so we just took that very old technology and adapted it with, you know, a network connected high resolution phone. And in doing so, we allowed people to get um, get the ebook. And that ties the print copy to you. Of course, first sale doctrine applies. You can get rid of that book and do whatever you want with it um, once you're done with it. But then, yeah, no one else can use that same book again. For and, and Peter, yeah. And Peter, there's some there's some honor system in this in some way, because there's ways to trick this. We talked about that. We oh, yeah. covered this a bunch in the very first podcast that we did. And, and uh, I was looking this up in advance in case... This is the first time you've uh, had a Home Gadget Geeks or you haven't listened for that long. Peter was on with us on Home Gadget Geeks 202. So just go out to the TV, put in HGG202, and you'll see that from a year ago. We talked a bunch about that. There are ways to game that system. How are you finding a year later? Is it getting abused? Or for the most part, are book users kind of following, you know, following what you're looking for? Or would you even know? Uh, so we do look. I look at the claims coming through. Um, and I'd say the lion's share, like high 90%, everyone's just, you know, like whatever, I'll write my name in the book. You know, like sometimes I'm sure we're, we're thinking it's black ink when it's really just a dark pencil. Um, but for the most part, I think people are pretty honest. You know, we've seen the occasional post-it note. Uh, they're, they're more like interesting for us to see that, you know, some the most creative I think we saw was like someone got an acetate sheet out and like and put it in and and you know they suppressed the flash on their camera so there was no reflection it was, it was really good I, I was impressed and it's like one of these things like when someone does that i email them and say hey you know it's pretty good but here's why we have to do this so you know like we're looking at all coming through so um yeah I don't know. We're, we're not gonna like we're not angry when people do that. We generally just email them and explain why it's got to be done that way. And for some people, like, I get it. Like, for some books, like, don't write in that book. That that book, like, if you've got a 500-year-old copy of a Gutenberg Bible, don't write in that book. Like, whatever you do, do not write in that book. But if you've got a mass-market paperback, and the other thing is, like, if it's signed by the author, like, if you've got a beautiful, if you've got a copy of a book that's signed by the author, don't write in it. Just take a picture of the author's autographed cop page because then we know that that's a unique copy like that's that's really all we need to know like we don't need you to actually deface your beautiful autographed copy of your stephen king um just just show us that it's a unique copy yeah no peter when we interviewed you last time i re you really appreciate books this is the thing about it i mean <laughs> is you see books as a work of art in a lot of way and it's not yeah. just this is not just a product and so when you explain these things, I'm always super impressed because you do honor the art and you do honor the importance or the age yep. or the relevancy or those kinds of things of the book. So I, I appreciate that because that's it's like I said, some people take their books, you know, they'll, they have stamps that they, you know, put on there and it, it raises the letters. They take their books very seriously. And so it's uh, it's this new technology, you know, and then. Some people are just trying to, I mean, it's, it's $5 deal, guys. Don't, don't like go, you know, try to hack around a $5 deal. That drives me. It's like people who steal 99 cent apps. You know, come on. You drop $600 on your phone, but you wouldn't, you, you got to steal a 99 cent app. Yeah, I know. You're just like, come on, get your priorities right. Uh, Tommy uh, Willison in chat had asked, um, what about the desktop? So is there any way for me to manage, you know, I've got all these beautiful pictures of my shelf and I might even have some information about my shelf. Is there any way for, for me to manage that on the desktop? Um, 
What do I want to talk about on that? Oh, oh, not no. yet. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, we won't press you not hard. Yet. Will you call us? Will you call us I'll, when uh, when you have I'll let you guys know. I'll let cool. you guys know. All right. Yeah. So, so Tommy, good so question. Not not yet. All right. Good. Good. Good question. I'd like to see that too. I'm. You know, there are still a bunch of desktop folks uh, that you know want to manage things that way. And so, good. Well, let let us know uh, when that gets there, and uh, and we'd like to uh, we'd like to be part or help you with that announcement uh, as well. <laughs> So tell us, what are you doing at CES? I'm certainly you're not uh, necessarily peddling your wares, although you are, but, but what took you to CES? Why are you there? So CES is actually a fun story for me. I've, I've actually just made the move to San Francisco. So the tech team is all still up in Vancouver, um, but I just moved down to uh, San Francisco. And uh, I was at these networking events, and I met a guy uh, named Jack Levine. And uh, Jack was like employee number 20 at Google. Um, and so he, he was with Google from like 20 employees to 5,000 and he's, he's been working on a new project. Um, so then he, he got, after he left Google, he did something called image shack, which is like this image upload, uh, website, sort of like Flickr or DeviantArt. And, uh, they started building some internal technology that was really cool. Um, so one of the things if you're serving up, you're like Instagram or Facebook, you serve up a whole lot of images. And if you're serving them up on mobile or if you're serving them up on web, what you need to do is you need to have all these images pre-computed to all the sizes that you're ever going to need them so that you're not sending more over the network than you need to. And so he looked at this and he's like, this, this is not doing it right. You know, I shouldn't have to pre-compute all the sizes of all the images that I have to send out. What if I could do it on the fly? And if, and resizing an image is a pretty heavy, it's technically from a computer standpoint, it's an N log N operation because you have to invert the fast Fourier transform of the JPEG to like get out the channels and then you do your crop and reduction or whatever. He's like, can I do this faster? And can I do it fast enough? Like, can I do it in like milliseconds? So then we could just put this behind the content distribution network as a service. And they did it for themselves. And then people were like, well, we'd like to use that. And when you think about what we're doing, we're serving up millions and millions of images of book covers or of shelfies. And we need to have them all different sizes for Android, all different sizes for like retina phones or non-retina phones. So uh, I got chatting to him. And so he was just about to launch this service called Imagizer, which is like literally if you're a software developer, you spin up an instance on AWS in the marketplace of like, and it allows you to dynamically resize images in about 20 milliseconds programmatically. It's crazy cool. Um, and yeah, so he, he was presenting it at uh, CES at uh, App Nation, the sort of app conference here. And he's like, well, do you want to come along? Because we've got a free extra ticket and you know you can present your thing as like a use case for this. I was like, sure, free trip to Vegas, I'll do it. Uh, so that's, yeah. that's why I came to, uh, to CES. So I've been hanging out at their booth and then I just came over this afternoon uh, to a few of the other pavilions to check them out. Have you have you seen anything interesting um, from your standpoint? You know, CES, it's hard to see. I mean, it's gigantic, right? I mean, it could take three or four days. Yeah, mind-blowing. <laughs> it's just amazing we have that much technology to even put in a place like it's, that. There's so it's much. crazy. What yeah, it's I see bizarre. a lot of, like, I've seen so many hoverboards like <laughs> and hoverboard knockoffs. Like, everybody is pedaling. I guess not technically pedaling. Everyone's flogging a, ho a hoverboard of some description here. Um, but yeah, one of the really cool things I saw they seem to be hitting maturity um, is these like 80 inch displays, like 8K or 4K displays that you lay flat like they're a table 
And this is more for like a retail application. And then they've got 255 point multi-touch on them. So you can kind of like, you can move images and kind of throw them across the table at someone. Uh, I think, I don't know, those look really cool. I don't know what applications they have, um, but that was one of the coolest things I saw. Yeah, I'd always love to, you know, in the mornings uh, at Gallup, we sit around a table, four of us, get coffee, we get laptops open and we collaborate, right? And so we're talking about things and sometimes we're working on the same stuff and sometimes we're not. But it would be awesome to have a flat service like that where I could just bring up my desktop and there when I want to when I want to do things, you know, you, we see this on TV. It doesn't really work like they show on TV, but then flick that over, you know, okay, here it is, boom. I need you need that, bam, push that over. Yeah, and no, that like, would make I, a I have great collaborative like, space. I, I've totally seen that at CES. And the prices aren't even like crazy. Like I talked to one group, it was like six grand for like the tabletop 4K display. Um, so yeah, I thought it was, I think that's pretty cool. I've, yeah, no, but, I mean, I've only no. seen two pavilions so far, so there may be yeah. more cool stuff I'm going to see tomorrow. Well, there's tons of stuff. You got to get there early, walk around, make sure you have shoes that, uh, <laughs> that are comfortable from yeah. that point. I do. I am glad I'm not there. I'll be honest. It, I did it a couple years in a row and it just wears you out. It's, 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 it's a tough way to start the year. We tried to cover it news wise. So we, you know, you try and hit 15 or 20 or 30 booths in a day and you do these interviews and you're talking all the time. That's exhausting when you, yeah. when you get to that, it's kind of nice for you. You get to kind of walk around and enjoy it. And, and yeah, but it's good, good to get some insight uh, on what's going on there. The hoverboards that the hoverboards are the uh, hoverboards. Yeah, exactly. The end thing. Peter, anything? Uh, I, I a question I should have asked you, or anything I missed as we think about what's going on with with Shelfie. And good to have you back on. Excited for all the things that we talked about. But anything I missed? You know, I don't think so. Like, I think we've we've covered off the major issues. That was a, a really good probing question from the. Uh, uh, from the crowd, from the the chat, um, yeah. yeah. So there, uh, there's no shortage of exciting plans that we've got in the works uh, going forward. But yeah, just the the core mission definitely remains the same. That cool. we really want to crush this one. Well, I put I'll put in the book club request to say I still think there's a place like when we think about a blab where people could join from a book club standpoint and meet in a video. I mean. You could talk okay. about your book club, drink, you know, have a have a, a beer. have a beverage, and talk about the book. And uh, and Shelfie may be the place because you know all the books. Shelfie may be the place to recommend those kinds of things and get people talking about the book. Yeah, so, that, that might have been something. That, that might have been something we thought about. It was it was one of those things. It was, I was chatting to a bunch of people about book clubs, and I was trying to find. I was like, what are the what are the friction points when you're at a book club? I was like, is it hard to decide? You know, is there a lot of contention around what book are we going to read next? And because one of the things we have, if everyone's got their shelfie on shelfie, we can do a pretty good collaborative recommendation for a group of people. It's the same as doing a recommendation for an individual, but you could easily do it for a group. Um, yeah, the other thing that kind of excites me is that nobody has yet done a not collaborative, but like a social reading experience right yet. Like no one's nailed that. And I think that might be because reading is inherently not a social activity unless you're talking about like animal warmth of like two people being in the room together and reading. But yeah, like or reading out loud together. But no one's been able to crack that. So that's kind of an exciting problem and that a lot of people have tried and no one's done it. And then what about one last question? Certainly the sharing aspect of being able to share these. these is that I'm sure that has. Have you talked about it? And where does that land when we think about, hey, I'm going to lend you my book? So 
so this is like uh, I think this yeah this happened six months ago or so. Um, we sponsored um, the American Library Association did a hackathon called Codex um, in San Francisco uh, last summer. And the organizer of it uh, is a woman named Jenny. She asked us if we would sponsor using our uh, API. Would we make an API where people could upload shelfies? And I said, yeah, sure. Like, I'd be curious to see what, what people would use for this. And there was a team from Goodreads there who made a hack called Good Shelf, where you upload an image and put it on Goodreads. So that's not it's pretty obvious. But there was one team there that did something called Kindler. And it was a dating app based on books. So you got matched based on the compatibility of your shelves. And so we started thinking about that. And we're like, that's a cool idea. And, and we we're thinking about like, how could you turn that into a business? Well, like maybe instead of sending like a virtual rose to someone you had a crush on, you could buy a book, buy a book for them or like gift them an ebook as uh, as like, you know, like I'm going to give you this book. Maybe you'll like me kind of thing. I don't know. It was just ideas yeah, no, we were throwing around. It, it, no, it's a good one. I also think um, tying music into this, would you yeah. know take somebody's music collection compare it to the books that are on their shelf and get that, uh, that, that cool. other dimension of like this music influence do, do book certain book readers listen to certain kinds of music how does it i mean i think that's an interesting data point that would be an interesting data hard data to collect but yeah, yeah. especially on the iphone because what you would want to say is hey do i have permission to look at your Playlists yeah, your music playlist and your play counts. Yeah, yeah. something That's like that. But yeah, sort it, by no, play it counts is. is always a pretty interesting way to look at your it, iTunes. It, but it might be interesting for some shelfie, you know, for folks that are in it all the time, and it becomes more and more social. It might be an interesting way. I mean, you might get uh, you either your the, the folks in the app to actually volunteer their data, or you know. You know, you never know because if it yeah. would it, if it would improve the algorithm or improve the selection piece, if you yeah. can find some correlation, just tie it into Watson, and then Watson <laughs> will take care of all that, all that stuff for you. Well, Peter, hey, thanks. Oh, before you go, one more question came in from Stargate Pioneer out in the chat room. He asked a question: Any plans to do similar things with comic books? I hadn't even thought of this. Have you looked at the comic book world? Yes. Um, we had some great conversations with um, a couple of awesome... Com I saw it. Is it Diamond? Who is it? No, it wasn't Diamond. We've just signed a comic book distributor. Like I'm, My brain is blanking, but we've just signed them. Um, it's not one of the biggies. Um, but so one of the things... I had this discussion in Frankfurt last year with... Um, I think it was Diamond Book Distributors. So they're one of the big... They're the big non-DC or Marvel comic uh, graphic novel folks. And one of the concerns for them with our technology was the having to write in the book thing because comic books are, were real works of art. And so, you know, even I feel weird about the idea, like for my graphic novels, like I just feel like for paperback, yeah, yeah, whatever. But for a graphic novel, I'm a little more squiggly about it. So they had this idea of including somewhere built in to the, um, the book, like an ordained space with graphics so that you didn't feel as though you were defacing the book, that you'd been invited by the author and the publisher to actually mark your possession of this book here. Um, so yeah, that was, it was a good conversation that we would love to do more with comic books. So yeah. Hey, one more, and then one more comment, and I didn't think of this, so music's one thing, but podcasts listened to might be another thing when we think about I listen, because that's an easier hook to get, yeah. um, right, because... Uh, 
right now the podcast world is still open and there's you know you deal with iTunes a little bit but you know you could partner with some of these independent Android apps like Beyond Pod or Dogcatcher or something to to be able to make that tie in and then just say hey I want to I want to pull in the podcasts I listen to I want to compare those to the books that I have and yeah. then you know again have another data point and I think that might be easier than music uh, because of all the copies like stuff. And it's yeah. more yeah, personal, I think. You know, everyone, a lot of people listen to the Beatles. But, you know, podcasts, yeah. there's so many of them that, hey, if I find some other people that listen to, you know, Home Gadget Geeks or whatever, you know, they're not millions of listeners or hundreds of millions. You know, it's thousands instead, which is a lot more intimate. You get a little yeah. circle. And it, I feel exactly the same way when we start looking at the book graph. It's like, yeah, yeah. You look at Harry Potter. Yeah, it's found on shelves with Harry Potter. You, it's like, but when you get down into like the stuff that you've only seen like on ten shelves, that's really cool. It's it's super like it's 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 the long tail of the data is the interesting stuff. But yeah. something just popped into mind when you were saying that there was a there's a startup in New York, um, and it's kind of like one of the sensitivities with have, ever having to touch something that iTunes is like a little bit intimate about. Um, they were called Homescreen, and it was I think their website was Homescreen.is. And what you did is you took a screenshot of your home screen and then you sent it up through the app. And what it did is it recommended apps for you based on what you had on your home screen. It was like a really clever idea. They got banned from the app store because they were doing app recommendations. So like there are a couple of nerves that Apple is pretty squickly about. And so I wonder, I haven't, I hadn't thought about it, but podcasting might be one of those things, but maybe not. And that would be a pretty cool thing. Which is so funny that they do that because they take the best ideas and then implement them into their software. But you can't do anything that they're going to do. They'll take, <laughs> they'll take all the best. They'll Sherlock you in a heartbeat. Yeah. And Mike believe. knows. He's our, he's our Apple guy. Well, the thing with, that's different with podcasts is there's so many different independent podcatchers that would, mm-hmm. would, I think would be more willing to work with you guys as far as yeah. uh, you know, building in that interaction as opposed to just like – I mean, iTunes is okay on podcasting. A lot of people consume it that way, but I think the real hardcore listeners have found Overcast or Beyond Pod or, you know, um, any some of those independent podcast apps that, and they're always looking for. You know, it would be interesting to say, hey, this. I mean, from the other way around, these podcast apps could say if they consumed your API, say, hey, if you listen to these podcasts, these are some of the books that people have listened to, right, Bingo. based on these yeah. podcasts. So it's, so it's an exchange, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Is that going to be, so So all your data that you're collecting, these analytics and stuff like that, selling that information, make, making an API available to other people who want that kind of data, is that something in the future that you guys are thinking about? It would be, it would certainly be a way that we could try and generate revenue other than by selling discounted eBooks and the selling discounted eBooks model, you know, when you're making, I don't want to sort of give the terms of the contracts away, but you know, it's not huge margin. And it's not huge margin on an extremely discounted product, so that Apple takes thirty percent of. So, yeah, that that yeah. that is an alternative revenue stream for us that right. we're we'd love to look at. No, cool, cool. Well, Peter, yeah. thanks. I, I know I've said no more. Uh, one more question. One more question. But they kept coming in. <laughs> Peter, thanks for taking a few taking forty five minutes out of your day there at CES. <laughs> Always great catching up with you. I, like I said, I feel like we just talked to you. It, it seemed like. A, <laughs> couple weeks ago uh, it has been a full year let us know when you got new stuff coming in just give us a ping we'll bring you on for a few minutes and uh, let you announce whatever you want to do but you've been a friend of the podcast and i appreciate what you do there's some exciting stuff there and uh, so let us know how we can help you out in the future and thanks for coming in 
Awesome, man. Thank you so much for the interest. Thank you. You bet. Thanks. And uh, just go ahead and click the X in the upper. I think it's, let's see, I think it's up here in the corner uh, for you. And we'll, we'll, thanks, Peter. Mike, I, I love that stuff. Me too. That's fantastic. Yeah, and all, and all the, I like the nerves we hit in some areas where stuff in yeah. the future that might be coming down the pipeline is, it's exciting. Yeah. Exciting. I'm going to open a seat if you want to come in and talk about this subject. Uh, normally we're a kind of a open based tech show. But uh, for the next 15 or 20 minutes or so, as we kind of wrap up the hour of the podcast, if you want to come in and just comment on what you heard from Peter, that would be awesome. It'd be great if you had a great mic and a good camera. But if you don't, that's okay, too. Your length of stay will be determined on how good your audio quality is <laughs> when you come in. But we, we'd like you to, if you want to comment on that, that would be, um, that would be pretty cool to get that in. It, it, it is, um, you know, if you think about it, for me, it takes a while for that scan to take place. So if you're... During the podcast, you're now scanning your bookshelf, and just a few have come back. Give it time. The computers on the other end are actually running through thousands of, of algorithms. And there's this the the we talked about this in 202 when we did when we interviewed him back in February of last year. The OCR to get the spine of the book is an amazing piece of technology to be able to isolate the spine, turn it on its side, read the title, find the title, and then match that to a book. That technology alone, Mike, super cool. Well, right? and that's why I was wondering about the patents. I mean, that's one yeah. thing that when you got that locked down, if you've got that technology locked down, I see a lot. I mean, there's a revenue stream right there. I think I, I we kept hitting on different revenue streams for them, uh, like he said at the very end, beyond the traditional. And I think that as they start to sell that data that they have, sell, you know, issue rights to the patents, stuff like that, I mean, that's those are some big revenue streams. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we talked about it on 202, that technology to read the spines is incredibly helpful. It's not the right word, but it could be incredibly helpful for hackers who want to read, who scan, want to scan captures. And oh, that, yeah. right. And so I asked him the question, do you, so, and he's like, we signed some agreements that we would not release that technology to certain companies to be used for hacking purposes to read stuff off the web. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if who they, like who do you sign that agreement with? I don't I don't know. That's what he said. I'd have to I'd have to yeah. go back and listen to it, but I just I'm remembering from a year ago. But I asked right. him that question. I was like, hey, you know you could use this. And he's like, Yeah, we we've done some things to make sure that's not, you know, gonna get in the wrong hands. Right. Um, from that standpoint. But two oh two, if you want to go back, if you if you're just joining Home Gadget Geeks for the first time, uh, we had Peter on uh, a year ago, HGG two oh two. Was that really yeah? February 8th is when I posted it, Sunday, February 8th. So about a year ago, 11 months or so, and a lot of good a lot of good audio from him uh, during that. That was kind of a discussion. He had shorter hair at the time. <laughs> a lot of good discussion, and we were getting him from Vancouver in that day. Um, a lot of good discussion that day about kind of the technology behind the scenes. Some of the things we didn't cover here because we covered it um, back then, but uh, no, pretty cool stuff. It was, it, uh, Ken says, Watching his eyes get larger when you guys hit a good point was very entertaining. Oh, so true. Yeah. Did, this is one of them where you want to watch the video podcast if you can, because his reaction to things and just such a smart guy. Fun to see his insight and, and fun to see someone that excited about what they're doing like a year later, however long it's been. You know, he said it's been so long. So to get someone this far in that is still just as passionate about it is good to see. Yeah, and they're climbing an uphill battle. I mean, right. the, the publishers are just bastards. 
and they are second to the music out. industry. They're probably oh, the worst to deal with. Probably. Yeah, yeah. They might not be even second. They I might. Mean, yeah. Music right. is backwards, but publishing is incredibly backwards and uh, talk about old school. And so uh, he's got an uphill battle. I mean, just those numbers, he was like, you know, it took us 500 days to get to 1% and right. then another hundred to get to 2%, which is exciting, which means they've gotten, they've really made some traction in, uh, in the last, Oh, I think uh, it's a snowball six months. It takes a lot to get that initial push, but once you start rolling, they're going to start getting those. I mean, just like they said with all of the textbook publishers, you know, they're kind of waiting and with penguin, you know, penguin said pretty much don't come back to us until yeah. you've got everyone. I think we'll start to roll for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And in my, and I forgot to bring my phone down, but um, like I said, a bunch of those titles were not available for me when we checked last year at this time. And then I kind of put it, I didn't think about it. I'm not a big ebook reader. And so I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't pay attention to it. I watched the app change from BitLit to Selfie. That was kind of cool on the iPhone when that, when that made the switch over. I'm like, oh, good. They, cause we talked about that. He was like, so you take this shelfie. And I was like, oh, dude, you go, you so have to make that the name of this app. And I think they were already thinking about it. But um, so I watched him change that. And then, um, you know, we're doing a little prep for the show. I was like, hmm, I wonder how many books are available for my shelf right now. And I'm not a huge book. Guy. Right. I mean, but I'm a big audio guy. So when, when that came out, that's huge for me because I've got some books that, you know, I've got the books that I've been gifted uh, that are great books that I want to read, but I just, I don't have time to read a paperback, but I have time to listen to audio. So I'm going to go through, I had no idea that that was an upgrade that they had included. So I'm going to go through and grab some of those, uh, yeah. you know, like the Walter Isaacson, yeah. Steve Jobs biography. Uh, that is one that I want on audio that I only have the paperback version of. So things like that, that I don't know if that, that's probably a penguin one or something like that, but just seeing if some of those are on there, that'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, Tony said it's not unfortunately, but, uh, Tony Rayner in chat says it's, uh, it's autonomous, auto autonomous, autonomous, autonomous. autonomous. It's not. If it's, Oh, is that the name, Tony? Is that the name of the publisher or are you, I, I don't understand your sentence there. Sorry. Obviously, <laughs> I'm obviously confused by your sentence. Oh, he's saying if the scan works right away because he has that book, then it's probably not on there. Oh, okay. Oh, no. Referring to the car talk. Okay. I'm not sure. I don't. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Oh, I think they're having a chat amongst themselves. Oh, okay. <laughs> that often happens in the chat room. Um, yeah, sometimes uh, if you run, if you take the pictures of your shelf, uh, take them at night, go to bed. They'll run, the servers will run behind the scenes and in the morning, you'll have a bunch of found books if you've if you know again the books you have to buy have to be the publishers that they have available so but give it some time some of them will show up a little bit later uh in the process and so um sometimes just takes time we have an open seat if you want to jump in here we're going to go for just a few more minutes if you want to jump in you got a comment about this topic we'd love to have you come in and uh, and do it uh stargate pioneer i want to say that was a great question about comic books i had not thought that was great is there any other, when we think about books, are there any other genres like that, Mike, that you can think of? We talked about textbooks. We talked about comic books. What else, chat room, what other genres, when you think about specialties in books? I'm would, thinking of would, like, uh, you know, like the encyclopedia picture books they used to have back in the day, like the discovery yeah, books and stuff like that. Some of those are replaced now with stuff that's on the web. Right. Um, yeah. Well, well, they're all replaced else? with stuff that's on the web. I mean, well, I mean, but the comic book, you think of the comic book as like the art of the comic. Right, but book. you can subscribe, you can get the DC or Marvel app and get all the comics. You can buy them within the app. I think we're just talking about literally yeah. doing the, you know, uh, paperback to digital version 
Yeah, and Stargate Pioneer says maybe magazines. That's one of those kinds of things. Although the magazine business has really made the shift digital already. It's mostly it's mostly available out there and has made that uh, has kind of made that shift in not in the sense where you'd buy the book where you'd buy the magazine and get the digital copy of it for free. I don't, you know, yeah, yeah. maybe it's a it's a it's another it's another genre in this in this space. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so know, true. Had to bring up porn. Yeah, it? it's been a tra- it's been a trend on the past few shows, <laughs> but that's true. Those those collections yeah, probably won't be available. Yeah, I don't see Hugh giving up his rights anytime soon. I don't know. That's a gold mine. I um the other thing I was thinking about uh, is when we think about um collections. So I think there they'd be in a good space to say, scan my book. Oh, hey, did you know you have three three of these five in this collection of books? Right, science fiction. This yeah. is really prevalent, right? Where you right. have these Hunger Games being, you know, something like that, where yeah. you they, they the books come as part of a collection. Um, the other thing, and it's hard. Uh, when, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, it's hard when they don't follow. So, for example, my Michael Connolly, my favorite author, he does different series with like the Harry Bosch series is one detective and he has all these books, right? You don't need to read. You can read them in any order you want, but it's hard to go look at a bookshelf of Michael Connolly books. It doesn't say this is a Harry Bosch number this, this is a Harry Bosch number that. So the collection thing on those sort of books is fantastic because for someone like me, I have to go and Google, hey, what are some other books that are in this series? I can't remember. Uh, I just because I don't, I don't want to randomly pick one up. But yeah, those collections are are good. What were you yeah. going to say? The other thing, uh, uh, books that have been turned into movies where you would, hey, this is uh, this book is available as a movie. You can buy it on Amazon. You can buy the movie right. version of this on Amazon. Just, again, making those, making it easier for the end user just to, hey, these are the books. Here's some purchasing recommendations from Amazon. And um, Well, I yeah. loved the connection with people, the dating site based on this. I mean, how much better is that than the Tinder, right? Where you're flicking right, flicking left based on a face where you could be like, hey, they like these books. Even beyond that, like we were talking about, they like these podcasts, this music. That's kind of what you want to. And if it's all autonomous, you have to type in all those dating sites ask you, hey, what kind of music are you into? I'm into country. I'm into rap. I'm into hip hop. But if it, it can actually just look through all your stuff. Oh, man, that would be I could see that being a huge connection thing. Something that you could sell to Match.com or to any of those uh, those people, and they'll pay top dollar for it. The Shelfie Index. Yeah, the Shelfie Index. Wh- and you where do you rate in the Shelfie Index? Yeah. And, you, and so many things go on a shelf, right? That's what I like about Shelfie. Shelfie is not just books. And as you start talking about collections of things, right? What other things do we collect? Anything you put on a shelf is stuff you collect. C- figurines, right? Uh, you know, I'm just thinking about the technology of categorizing what you have in your home and uh, comparing it to other people or sharing it or finding out what you have, we can store everything on a shelf. And so the idea of that for me, when I think of business opportunity, revenue streams, right? Like light bulbs start to go off mm-hmm. all of the different avenues you could mm-hmm. go down. But obviously we've seen what happened to companies that go way too wide too quick. You know, sometimes sticking in your niche is really good for as long as you can. Or sometimes then they start to widen out a little bit and use their uh, different avenues to, for good. Well, you know, Google Goggles was supposed to be kind of a application where you would scan it and it would it would be able to find a version of it or something like it oh, on yeah. the web. Think about the insurance industry, right? I mean, what's the when you think about a personal property claim, what's the hardest part about getting some of that stuff back? It's knowing you had it to begin with, right? Right. And so, what if you could scan like your books? What if you could, you know, you were thinking on the shelf? What if you could scan things? It would find those 
find copies of them and catalog them. And this is outside of the shelfie mission and what they're trying to do. Right. But but think of that technology of like I'm you know people always say you know take a video camera go around your house film everything you can take that off site put it in a safety deposit box that kind of thing. But imagine digitally if you could now go around with your phone and it would start. Oh. It would like, you know, be property OCR and it would find those things and then catalog them and say, when you get done, it's like, boom, here's a list of, of, um, you know, things that are in your house. Right. And we'll save this to the cloud. And then you're, you know, if you ever have a claim, um, oh, that no. would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, that would be pretty Scoot cool. Over said beer bottles. That's totally true. Like that sort of stuff. And there is one for oh, wine. Untap. Uh, yeah, adding it to Untapped, which you can do that too, and then right. delectable for wines. But yeah, adding that sort of shelfy technology in would be kind of cool. Yeah, well, and you know, uh, they're talking about LPs. You know, you get down to it. There's a lot of things uh, that you could you could apply the same kind of idea to. Just love what they're doing over there, uh, over at uh, Shelfie. So, Peter, thanks for coming on and doing it from from CES. We uh, a couple things from a network perspective. Let me catch up. One. We were going to have the CTO, and and this is an interview that's just probably never going to happen. The CTO and founder and chief inventor over at Ring.com, I've rescheduled him three times. He slept through one of the interviews. He uh, he was in London. It's not his fault. It was early. I couldn't believe he yeah. even agreed to like come on our show. It was like three in the morning. I was like, dude, you should have just told me. So we moved it to Monday, I was hoping, but then I got double booked with a podcast at Gallup on Monday, so I can't do it then. We are going to do a Cyber Frontiers Monday evening. I'm hoping I can keep Christian up late. So we'll, I will do my podcast from home on Monday night early. I think it's seven or eight, and then I hope Christian and I will go late on Monday night, get another Cyber Frontiers, and I still got to work that, gotta work that out with him. And then uh, Tuesday night open, Wednesday, I'm in San Diego, and so we get a, a great opportunity. My son uh, is a Marine. As of right now, he got his globe uh globe anchor and eagle uh pinned on his hat today and uh we, we, he's a marine he went from being a recruit to a marine that's so all awesome. that's it is awesome he's a that's stud. just yeah <laughs> he's a stud i share that with the podcast community because uh our regular listeners have kind of gone through this going him going into basic training we talked about we did a whole podcast on not whole but we talked about marines going social and Mike, yeah. I cannot believe how much social media we were getting pictures and updates. And it was well, ever since you said that I've started just looking into Marine stuff, right? All the, just looking not as a, obviously as a parent, I don't know anyone in the Marines. I know army people, uh, but not any Marines, but it's just crazy. Like after I saw that stuff and they've done a great job documenting all of it and uh, man, what he's gone through. Whew, I tell you, yeah. I, I would never, I would, I wouldn't make it past day one. He's a beast. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. He's a beast. This that's, kid is super to quiet. Him. This is, you know, they're dangerous when they're quiet. Really? So, yeah. He's super quiet kid. He was you super guys start writing quiet. this stuff down for when I have kids. Right. When dangerous have kids. stuff. I'll quiet. be around for you. Just call uncle Jim. Call yeah. Him. I'll call uncle Jim. Jim. <laughs> he's quiet. He's going to be a Marine. Put him in the Marines. <laughs> yeah. No, he was a super quiet kid and uh, he didn't, you know, in the training that you get out of there with a, the Marines have their own version of martial arts and you get a belt kind of qualification when you get out of, they do so much hand-to-hand combat uh, training as part of what they're doing that they get this belt designation, wow. whatever it is. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. Nice. Um, and so, um, yeah, I did. I never would have seen him that way. And I, I bet he's an animal. I'm just, Oh yeah. 
yeah, it's like ooh. no more wrestling with the with your son when he comes home. He'll be able to. Uh, he was yeah. not a big wrestler even when he was a kid. He didn't like doing that, and I was a little worried. Like, hmm, how's he going to do when he gets into these close combat situations? Or right. training. Must have done okay. Right. <laughs> Must have done okay. So he is, uh, yeah, and I'm a big, I was an army guy, and I did I did six years in the army. I'm a big fan of push-ups, and I can push up all day long. I mean, that's something I just, I am good at, and I can do a lot of. So I've been pre- uh, preparing for uh, uh, graduation day, and I'm going to challenge him to a push-up contest. Nice. There, so he'll be dressed up. I, I might wait till I might do it on Thursday. That's the they have a motivational run on Thursday, and then we get to spend the afternoon with them. Then they graduate on Friday. We'll bring them home on Saturday. Motivational run. Get him when he's tired. Yeah, exactly. Right after <laughs> right? the run, son. Let's drop. Right after the run. Sorry, son. Get down. <laughs> Start pushing, Tim. He'll he'll give me this like that's that's the look I'm going to get like yeah kind of thing. Dad, stop it. So. Uh, no, we're super proud of him, and uh, he's through. For the most part, he has a big inspection tomorrow, and then uh, they pretty much they have Marine Week the last week, and they it's pretty much just get ready for graduation kind of stuff. So they're making That's final fun. preparations, and so we're super proud of him. He'll be back in town. I just, like I said, I just can't believe how social the Marines were through this whole right. thing. Right. Pictures and updates. We got a video of, instead of the, the platoon picture, instead of it being just a picture, it was a video. They went, they went row by row and videoed each so and, and went by slow. And the video was like two minutes long. So you could see him. Like he had his own spot in the video. And I was like, well, it's That's the first really time I've cool. seen him in two months. You know, and we're like, this is really cool. So it was, um, yeah, I think. Um, uh so dennis says that's probably the last thing he wants to do is have his right. have his dad in a push-up contest and you're probably right the first thing he wants to do he's going to want to eat a lot of food he lost 10 pounds and he didn't have 10 pounds to lose so i mean he was he was yeah he, he looks like pretty him, he was yeah thin. yeah mm-hmm. thin yeah he had i noticed you know he could uh going in he could do 15 pull-ups no problem just overhand just and that's hard right mm-hmm. his, you know his traps in the back here you could i looked at him one day i'm like whoa dude <laughs> Dang, nice <man>. <laughs> yeah i feel so fat <laughs> when i look at him you know it's like oh my god i need to lose some weight so um yeah we're excited so i, I if you've been a long time listener of the of the podcast of the show home gadget geeks you know we've gone through this journey last christmas he made the announcement and then we've, I've kind of worked you guys through that. If you follow me on Facebook, you've seen it. Thanks for all the nice well wishes that uh, I've gotten back to. A lot of folks, both on Facebook, even here in the chat room tonight, uh, I appreciate that. He is looking forward to serving his country, and we're excited about that. Not too excited about him maybe going to a place where there's combat, but he knew going in that's what he was signing up for, and mom yep. doesn't like it too much, but I think he'll be fine. So more chances of dying in an auto accident here in the United States actually right now than dying in combat. So, Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. The odds. Well, right now there, we're just not, there's not, I mean, there are some fatalities, but they're pretty small. We're, we're right. not, this isn't five, six years ago when we were losing dozens of people every single day. So it's, um, I'm not too worried. Yeah, we'll see. But that's what he signed up for. That's what he wanted to do. And we'll cross that bridge. He's still got 12 months of training before he can even get to a duty assignment. So we're pretty excited. Okay. Well, a couple things as we wrap up the show. We, If you're new to Home Gadget Geeks, uh, I'm going to wrap up the show, but that's just the recorded part of it that goes in the podcast. We'll stay around a little bit. Can you stay around for a few minutes of, yep. uh, of post-show? Yep, that totally. seems to be when people actually... As soon as I end the show, then they start coming in and, and right. chatting with us. So we'll stay around for a little bit of post show afterwards. But 
Uh, just a couple reminders. If you want to contact the show, send us an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv. Track me down on Twitter at Jay Collison. You can, and what's your official Twitter, Mike? How do you want them to find you on Twitter? Is it Uyghur Tech? Yep, at Uyghur Tech, which is W I E G E R. All right, very good. So. We uh, want to remind you that the AverageGuy.tv platform, both media hosting and web hosting, is powered by Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, high speed hosting from people you know and trust. You know, that's Christian. He's, he joins me over on Cyber Frontiers. His web farm runs uh, Home Gadget Geeks 10 bucks a month, gets you in. Uh, it's the plan I'm on. Get a website, a media hosting, great for podcasters. And so if you want to jump on, get some more information about that and get some personal service. This is the best thing about Christian. He he handles it personally. So if you're having issues, he will call you and you will talk to him. Mike? We should also, uh, we want to thank again, WLMN Radio. Dot yeah. com. They're uh, still streaming our stuff. So you guys can head out there and home gadget geeks is over there. They're relaunching for 2016. So they were off for the holidays and they are relaunching uh, in a few days here. So they're getting everything lined up. So we'll get our uh, shows over there. And uh, Roger wanted to tell everyone, thank you for awesome. coming over there. So yeah, no, very good. And, uh, and of course, if you listen to us on W, I, I always keep posting this out there. Yeah. So if you're listening to us, let us know. We'd love to know if you're, if you Definitely. hear us on WLM radio, uh, likewise, we want to thank those who have come in on Blab um, and have joined us maybe for the first time in a, in a Home Gadget Geeks. I think, Mike, I was going to switch back to Hangouts for um, for interviews. Uh, I don't think I need to. It worked out pretty well. No, it was good. It was good. So I think we might be here to stay for a while hey. on, the, on the Blab side. So we'll I, see. I think I think I am too. I I got a little feedback from the last show we did when we did the look forward. We got a little rushed as we were getting we were getting a lot of questions in the chat room and right. Well, I experienced said, that on Tuesday as yeah. well. Yeah, it, it it's taking me a little bit of time to cut over to running the podcast normal speed, even though we're getting more engagement than we've gotten in the past. Right. And then I want to say I want to to the to our regular Thursday night listeners who have been faithful for years on theaverageguy.tv slash live, which you could be listening to us out there as well. Thanks for coming over to Blab. You guys have done a great job in jumping in and and, uh, and joining the group. So I appreciate you guys uh, doing that as, again. Mark says no trolls again. Yeah, we made another one yeah. with no trolls. I think it was, I think it was, it was just a, maybe it was a, a one-time thing. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's, it's going to happen again. Up to be. I know it's going to happen again. A rare occurrence, as yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. Gonna it's, be, it's not going to be an every time thing. It's coming, but but we know what to do now. And uh, the Blab guys have been really helpful on this. And so it's kind of fun. You know, with Hangouts, you never really knew the guys behind the scenes. You know, they didn't. Yeah. It was Google. But with Blab, I mean, you can catch Brittany or Hannah or, or um, Jordan or any of those guys out there. You can catch them out there a lot. And you know, it was nice the other night. I saw them. Well, let me hold that for the post show. You can also listen to Home Gadget Geeks on the new Android and iPhone app if you haven't done that yet. Although I'm a little worried. I was running um, Spreaker on the broadcast server tonight and it the the, the VM just went down. <laughs> I mean, it, oh. like it's not down, although I, I can't verify, but <laughs> my, my connection to it went down. And so I, I don't know if it's still playing out there or not. It could be. I opened up an instance of, of um, Blab. Uh, running on that, running into Spreaker. I'm gonna in the post show. I'm gonna open up another window and figure out. So those running. VMs on Azure will still run. We are not connected. Yeah, yeah until you tell them to spin down. Until I, I checked the Azure setting and it said running, and nice. so I, okay. I just I lost the connection to it from that standpoint. So, yeah, the nice thing about that on Azure, it's 300 up and down. So I've got the best bandwidth. I mean, right from from that standpoint, I get really good bandwidth out on the server. So the Audio is nice and crisp and clear, and it's an eight-core 
um, box that I'm running out there. I, you, I don't need to. I'm just overpowering it because yeah. I can. <laughs> right. Right. From that, from that standpoint. So, uh, but if you normally, in a, in a great way, if you want to get the app, uh, both iPhone and Android, go to homegadgetgeeks.com and uh, the buttons for both of those are out there. We're out here live every Thursday, except next Thursday up in San Diego. I probably won't get a show in. That's just the way it's going to be. Uh, we got a busy week and a lot of things going on. So we'll probably skip a week. Uh, go listen to, to Open Mic Night if you haven't heard that yet and you want to get in on that side. So you can actually go back and listen. Mike, uh, did you release the one we did on Tuesday already? Is that already did? Yeah, we do it that same night. So try and get them out there. Okay. Already and out there. So if you, if you didn't catch that, save that one for next week and put it in the slot where you would normally listen to Home Gadget Geeks because it's the same guys, except Colin is the guest. <laughs> right. Yeah, Colin pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's over at 2980network.com slash open mic night or 2980network.com. It'll, you can find it there. Yeah, play that one next week. That's it. And uh, Spy Gadget Rentals, hang tight. We'll get to your question here in just a second. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern out at theaverageguy.tv slash live. And with that, we'll say, although if you're listening live, don't go anywhere. Good night, everybody.